Uh, I invite you to turn your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 47. Uh, our sermon text, our text for meditation comes from our Old Testament reading this morning. We read uh, the first 12 verses from Ezekiel 47, uh, this vision that he had. And right at the end in verse 12, it says, And on the banks, on both sides of the river, <coughs> there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Lord, I do pray now that you would grant us understanding into uh, the vision from Ezekiel. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The book of Ezekiel is notoriously difficult to read and interpret uh, for the average American Christian and maybe just the average Christian anywhere in the world. Not only is it prophecy, which has its own challenges, but it's apocalyptic visionary prophecy, right? It's filled with all these uh, images, sometimes very strange, a wheel within a wheel, covered with eyes, or uh, glimpses into heaven, symbolic depictions of the future. We get other records of visions in the Bible and even glimpses into heaven and the heavenly throne room in Isaiah and Jeremiah, but Ezekiel gives long, sustained, and by far the most detailed types of these. In fact, the book ends with a nine-chapter-long vision of a future temple. Ezekiel the man lived right at a turning point in history. He was alive when Babylon came and destroyed the temple and took the people into exile. He lived both before and after the exile began. And he ends with that, and his book ends with that nine chapters devoted to a vision that Ezekiel receives about 25 years into his personal exile, which would have been about 14 years after the temple was destroyed. Ezekiel, living in a time when there was no longer a temple, sees a glorious vision of a future temple. He says, The hand of the Lord was upon him, and the Lord brought Ezekiel to Israel in a vision showed him a temple that didn't exist with all these fantastic details and supernatural things happening at points. Now, here's the thing about reading these visions. Prophecy uh, often, though not always, uh, looks to the future. But biblical prophecy and even apocalyptic imagery were meant to be understood by the original hearers. They're meant to be understood by the people who are receiving uh, these reports. And, of course, it's true that uh, with the progress of history and revelation, that earlier revelation does become clearer. But but if you're reading these visions in such a way that they would be totally unintelligible to their original audience, there's probably been a wire short-circuited somewhere. In fact, the most central aspect of continuing revelation that unlocks the mysteries of the Old Testament is the advent of Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ into history, his ministry, his life, death, resurrection. So the visions use symbolism and imagery that would have been understood on some level by their hearers and that become more full and more clearly understood in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are kind of the two key exegetical maxims that you should have in mind when you read fantastic apocalyptic visions in the Old Testament. As we mentioned, our verse for meditation comes actually near the end of the entire book of Ezekiel, near the end of that temple vision. 
during a part of this heavenly tour when Ezekiel sees a spectacular river that's coming from the temple. We read it this morning. I'm going to read the whole report again. It's short, uh, but uh, stick with the imagery. Picture what Ezekiel is describing. This is Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. (coughs) Again, he measured a thousand, and he led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Engliam, and it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. A few observations about this river in the vision will help set the stage for our particular meditation tonight. Number one, notice that the river comes from the sanctuary. It is flowing from the sanctuary. That's where it originates, from the inner part of the temple. That's already your major key to understanding this imagery, this vision. For what is the temple? What was the temple? The temple was the special dwelling place of God. The sanctuary is where the Spirit of God takes up residence. In fact, Ezekiel has already paralleled God's Spirit with water imagery back in Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will pour my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. We see the same parallel in Isaiah 44. The Spirit is spoken of in terms of water imagery. The river flowing out from the sanctuary is an image of God's Spirit flowing out from His heavenly sanctuary, going out, moving amongst the people in the land. Number two, notice that the water coming from the temple begins as a trickle, uh, a glug from the bottle, but it grows as it goes out in a way that no literal flow of water could do into a raging river in which you couldn't even stand. As God pours out his spirit, he is going to do greater and greater works in the world. He is going to increase his witness. The spirit moves and increases his own ministry. 
And notice three, the effects of this river. It brings life. The river runs down into the Dead Sea, which, as Tim mentioned this morning, is so-called because the salt content is so high that uh, essentially nothing can live there. Right? And if you ever look at a map of Israel, the Dead Sea is one of the two bodies of waters that you recognize right from the map, the little one, the Sea of Galilee, and then the Dead Sea. It's this big chunk of water where nothing lives, no fish, no vegetation. It's only good for salt harvesting. And the river flows into the Dead Sea, and it heals it. It turns the Dead Sea into a sea where fish and vegetation can flourish. It's the biggest body of water, biggest inland body of water in Israel. You can easily see it from a map. A river flowing into a body of water like this is not going to purify it. Not literally, not really. But here in this imagery, we see God's Spirit is going to make a supernaturally prosperous home full of real life together with God. I mean, the vision even mentions that the swamps and the marshes still have salt so that the good of the salt production won't be lost. In the vision, you kind of have this supernatural utopia created by the flow of the river. The Spirit's going to move and produce real life together with God. Where the river goes, it produces life. And then, now, consider the ministry of Christ. Consider that at Jesus' death, the veil in the temple was torn Thus, the, the need for separation between man and God was done away with. Before the cross, before Jesus went to the cross, we'll read later in John, Jesus told the disciples that he would go ahead of them into heaven and send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And Jesus said shortly before his death resurrection, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom God the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, the Spirit of God has been poured out and his, he is now teaching and working through God's Word. The Spirit is present and makes fruitful Bible reading and studying possible. Jesus has opened the door from the sanctuary for the water to flow freely as Ezekiel saw. Paul called the word the sword of the Spirit, which is not just the sword that we wield, but that the Spirit himself wields. The Spirit out, moving out amongst the people by the word of Christ. And so in light of this shift in history, we can glean four glorious present realities that are true of us now from Ezekiel 47.12. On the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Four present realities that are true of us in light of Christ here in this verse. Number one, because of Jesus, the Spirit is producing fruit in believers. Right? On, on the banks of both sides of the river, there are trees, and they are producing all kinds of food. The river causes all sorts of different trees to grow, and they produce this fruit for food. This is the Spirit producing a variety of fruit in the life of the believer. It's not literary creativity that caused Paul to speak of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. 
Jesus has opened the door to the flow of life-giving water that produces in believers love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is a present reality now. We have the guarantee of the Spirit producing utopia-level, heavenly-quality fruit here and now in the life of His people, in the life of believers. We have the guarantee that our Bible reading, our studying of the sword of the Spirit will be spiritually fruitful and will prepare us for life together with God in His heavenly kingdom. Number two, notice that the Spirit is always at work. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Because the river flows from the sanctuary, in other words, because the river is the Spirit, these trees aren't going to be like normal trees. Normal trees wither in the off-season. Normal trees aren't always producing fruit. They do not produce fruit every month. But the Spirit has no off-season. The Spirit does not go on summer break. The Spirit will always work to increase your love for God and each other in response to meditation on the Word of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. The Spirit will always further your joy in the deep realities of God that you dig from Deuteronomy. The Spirit will always grant peace to those who confess their sins in concert with the psalmist. The Spirit will always press patience out of you as you mull over the Proverbs. The Spirit will always supply kindness from your heart when you consider the kindness of God in Ruth. The Spirit will always surprise you with goodness when you behold the excellencies of Christ in Isaiah. The Spirit will increase your faithfulness when you are shocked by the faithfulness of God in Judges. The Spirit will surprise you with gentleness when you are touched by the tender love in the songs of Solomon. The Spirit will inspire self-control as you marvel at the fortitude of Christ in the Gospel of Luke. He will always do this work. You may not always feel fruitful, and you will go through seasons when you are spiritually dry, where you feel spiritually dry. But it is precisely in those times that you need to remember the abundant, verdant imagery of the Spirit's work in Ezekiel 47, and therefore return to the fountain of life. Number three, the Spirit will sustain believers. Their fruit will be for food, it says near the end of the verse. The point is sustenance. Like Paul said this morning, Paul, Pastor Paul, Jesus was sustained, physically sustained, to do God's work. The Spirit will sustain believers with the fruit that we just mentioned for all the life of the church. Ministry can be discouraging. Life can be discouraging. Either situation makes us prone to checking out of church, withdrawing and getting kind of foolishly self-protective or what we think is self-protective. If my personal life isn't going well, withdraw from the church. If something in church is disappointing, quit, then lone wolf your Christianity. But the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that the Spirit produces in us individually is for the sustenance of our corporate life together. It will feed us and keep the church alive and working for ministry until Christ returns. We can always go to the Word in faith with the promise of the reality that the Spirit will sustain us in our weakness. The Spirit will provide the calories necessary to take the next step 
prayer the, pray the next prayer, preach the next sermon, evangelize the next neighbor, forgive the next friend, cook the next meal, sing the next song. The Spirit will sustain us in our life together. Number four, the Spirit will heal our hurts and our hearts. And there will be hurts in this life. But the last thing we are told in Ezekiel 47, 12 is that the leaves from the trees that the Spirit produces are for healing. They are medicinal herbs. So you got trees here that are producing both apples and uh, penicillin. I know penicillin doesn't come from leaves, but I am not a botanist. But you get the point. These are awesome trees. They produce food and medicine. The Spirit will address our pains and comfort us with the Word. And the comfort that the Spirit works in us as we cling to the Word in faith will be shared corporately together with each other. We can come together for healing, healing from the brokenness of this world and healing from the brokenness that we have self-afflicted in our own sin and rebellion. Because Jesus has unleashed his spirit upon us. The Holy Spirit is also called the comforter and helper. Jesus said towards the end of his discourse in John where he was extolling the coming spirit, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. We have from Jesus and in Jesus the promise that the present, even now, in the present, even now, we will get to taste heavenly healing and comfort in part and that that part will become whole with the culmination of history when Christ returns as the Spirit is with us now, not leaving us alone until Jesus comes. So, brothers and sisters, come to the river Drink deeply from the abundant supply of the Holy Spirit, who we have by virtue of Jesus, and who works in the words of Christ, the Scriptures, healing, food, sustenance, real fruit. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you uh, for not leaving us as dry land. We thank you for pouring out your Spirit, not leaving us alone between the first and second advents of your Son, and so we pray now that you would encourage us to come regularly, faithfully to the waters of your word, to the water of the spirit, and so be nourished that you would produce the fruit in us that you have promised to produce, that you would sustain us, strengthen us, heal us, and so be glorified in the work that you do amongst us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.